heart of the East Coast, this is Sports Raver with your host, a West Coast girl who raves about all things sports, Carolyn B. to talk about my raves. Who might have the Midas touch in Detroit? After an unexpected detour, this tenacious player is back delivering on the court. Boxing, once a sport of modern gladiators, now a mockery of itself. Plus, the latest drama in esports, my news raves, and the obscure sports report. Welcome to the Sports Raver, where I rave about my favorite things in sports, and I rave against the worst things in sports. Thanks for coming to rave with me. Hey, hey, everyone. I'm your host, Gerilyn B. Thanks for listening in. Let's get this party started. In a surprising move, the NBA is telling teams who they have to play on the court. For nationally televised games, load management, which is basically holding out stars of some regular season games to keep them healthy for the playoffs, is now prohibited. In the past, the NBA has said load management was an accepted reason to miss a game. Well, no longer if it's a high-profile game that people are tuning into to see certain players. If a team violates this rule, they can be fined up to $100,000. With interest in the NBA falling significantly from years past, the hiatus from the pandemic, and no bodies in the seats at games, the NBA is scrambling to try to make fans tune in. The league, like all other sports, has faced a major shortfall of money and lower ratings is definitely a cause for concern. I get it, basketball is about entertaining the fans, but it's also about winning championships and player management is one of the key ingredients in successful seasons. I don't think $100,000 is enough to deter teams from making decisions based on what they think they should do to win a title. And fans aren't going to tune in if their favorite players are out because they were forced to play in a game that didn't matter anyway. Can you imagine the NFL telling Andy Reid he can't sit Mahomes in the final game before the playoffs? Or Major League Baseball telling Dave Roberts that Kershaw has to pitch just because the game is on Fox? James Harden wants out of Houston so much so that he reportedly turned down a contract extension that would have paid him over $50 million a year. $50 million! He hasn't reported to team practices yet, but instead he's going out to clubs and attending birthday parties in the middle of a pandemic without a mask and in complete violation of NBA protocols. His new head coach has not even spoken to him and is now calling his absence a holdout. The Houston Rockets already lost Russell Westbrook and most likely won't be in the running to win the championship this year. It's understandable that Harden wants to be somewhere that he has a chance at a championship. But his blatant disregard for his teammates, for those he comes into contact with, for the rules the league has put into place to protect players and staff, it's simply unacceptable. I don't care how good you are. You need to still be a decent human being. You need to show people how to be better not how to be worse. There's enough of that right now. And I wonder what he'd say to Minnesota Timberwolves player Carl Anthony Towns who lost his mother along with six other family members to COVID. Fight to be somewhere else. Just do it with grace and professionalism. Major League Baseball has told National League teams to plan for 2021 without the use of a universal designated hitter. 
The DH for the National League was added for the 2020 season with the intention of making playing easier on clubs and reducing the risk of injury to pitchers during the pandemic. Without a designated hitter on the roster for National League teams, this changes the free agent market for a number of players. Negotiations between the Players Association and Major League Baseball are happening now, and with many supporting the universal DH, it could still be a part of the rules for 2021. Nothing has been set in stone yet. Many, however, don't think it would become a permanent rule until the next collective bargaining agreement, which won't happen until 2022. Will they do away with the rule of starting extra inning games with a man on second? Doubtful. Rob Manfred wants that one to be a permanent change. Fontez Perfect, formerly of the Bengals and one year with the Raiders, was arrested on a battery charge in Nevada. You may remember, Burfecht, who is currently a free agent, was suspended, finally, in 2019 for most of the season after a dirty hit on Jack Doyle of the Colts. The suspension was the longest in league history for an on-field incident. Five months after his suspension ended, the Raiders dropped him. Throughout his NFL career, Burfecht has been notorious for his illegal hits and complete disregard for player safety. He was fined on numerous occasions by the NFL, resulting in a total of over $5 million in penalties and lost pay. Burfecht didn't just hit harder than necessary, he seemed hell-bent on actually hurting players, like Antonio Brown, who he knocked out cold, or Cam Newton and Greg Olson, whose ankles he did his best to twist as he tackled them. In his time in the league, he made Ndamukong Sue look tame. With an arrest for battery, I can't imagine any team signing him, even if they had been willing to overlook his dirty style of play. Unless, of course, Greg Williams gets another job. a head coach in Detroit ongoing after Matt Patricia was fired, some vocal Michigan legislators are encouraging principal owner and chairwoman Sheila Ford Hamp to hire Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. So why are they so sure? Sala is a defensive mastermind. Richard Sherman called him a leader of men. During his time in Jacksonville, he was loved by the guys in the locker room. He's from Michigan. All of these things make him very attractive as a head coach for Detroit. But as Ms. Hamp has indicated, the Lions are looking at all options, which most likely include Eric Bayenyemi, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Jim Caldwell, an offensive guy, was a winning coach for the Lions, but he was let go by Bob Quinn to make room for Patricia. Of all the coaches of the Lions from the past 20 years, five of them were defensive guys and only two were offensive. Caldwell and Steve Mariucci. Of the five defensive guys, the number with a winning percentage over 400? Zero. That's not to say Sala wouldn't be successful, but with Matt Stafford only being 32 and with some good years of football ahead of him, he would benefit from an offensive-minded coach, especially one like Bayenyemi who has coached Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' high-powered offense. On the flip side, if Sala is hired, he'll need to find an excellent defensive coordinator as he shifts his focus to the offensive side of the ball. Sala is also young, and most of his career has been as a defensive quality control coach. He does have one invaluable quality, though. Players want to play for him, and that could work magic in the Lions locker room where desire to play hard for Matt Patricia was hard to find. Eric Bayenyemi comes with his own pluses and minuses, Besides his offensive role with the Chiefs is the fact that he's been with Andy Reid for more than seven years. 
Learning from Reed, who's often called an offensive whiz, should help set up Bayanyumi up to do well. With Bayanyumi, though, there is the knock on him that he doesn't actually do the play calling for the offense. That job lies with Andy Reed. Plus, with Patrick Mahomes being a generational quarterback, how much of the success of the Chiefs can be credited to Bayanyumi? As Bayanyumi has said, though, there are many successful head coaches who weren't the play callers in their previous roles. So that isn't necessarily a mark against him. He still had to be heavily involved and adept at knowing the offense inside and out, and he has Andy Reid's confidence in him. I guess we'll see what Sheila Ford Hamp decides. And as for the legislators in Michigan, one was quoted as saying, we decided why not throw out a helping hand and kind of guide them to the coach we'd like to see come home. <laughs> I think Miss Hamp is entirely capable of making her own decisions and won't be pushed into any choices. In this Victory Over Cancer Week for the V Foundation, I love this story. Tiana Mangakaya is a basketball player from Australia and point guard for the women's basketball team at Syracuse. And in 2019, at the age of 24, Tiana was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. She wasn't supposed to be making plans to fight cancer. She was supposed to be preparing for the Olympics representing Australia. She was supposed to be preparing for her last season at Syracuse, which she had chosen over entering the WNBA draft. But life doesn't care about the plans we make. It still throws us those curveballs. Tiana chose to stay in the U.S. and with the support of her coach and teammates, went through eight rounds of chemotherapy during which she lost her hair and suffered from anxiety. The anxiety all cancer patients feel. Is this working? Am I going to die? And then finally, a double mastectomy after which she was declared cancer-free. Then, on November 29th, after 615 days, she was able to rejoin her Syracuse teammates on the court in their first game of the 2020 season. The NCAA had agreed to extend her eligibility due to the extenuating circumstances she faced. When she made a three-point shot in the first quarter, she said she was in the groove. 16 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists later, Tiana helped her team beat Stony Brook 50-39. Now with cancer behind her, Tiana can focus on the future, and as she said, she can dream again. With so much turmoil and uncertainty in this pandemic era, Tiana's story inspires us to believe in the future and ourselves. Don't waste time worrying about things you can't control. Just seize what you can and push yourself to be the best you can be and take that three-point shot. What has happened to boxing? It was just announced that an exhibition event between Floyd Mayweather and YouTube fame seeker Logan Paul will take place on February 20th. That is not boxing, that's a spectacle. Boxing is no longer the sport of highly trained athletes that possess finesse, determination, and talent. When Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. fought each other a couple of weeks ago in their exhibition, it was a hearkening back to a time when boxers were real athletes first and celebrities second. And to their credit, Tyson and Jones actually fought each other, granted with specific rules tailored to fit their, um, ages, and it was deemed a draw. 
But as part of the card, Jake Paul, Logan's younger brother, fought Nate Robinson and knocked him out after two rounds and then gloated he wanted to fight Conor McGregor. That's not boxing, that's a joke for money. Boxing can be a tough sell being that it's often considered a barbaric and violent sport. Many say that the business of boxing has killed it, corruption at every turn. Well, that's probably true and certainly hasn't helped. But I think the real reason is a lack of true stars. Stars like George Foreman, Oscar De La Hoya, Sugar Ray Leonard, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. There's talent out there, but no charismatic, dominating face of the sport stars. Knowing that people want to pay lots of money to see fight. That's why we end up with Mayweather and Logan Paul. Boxing is still popular around the world, but not for any American boxer. And with spectacles like Mayweather and Logan Paul, that won't help the status of boxing in the U.S. We need a true, captivating star to come along and grab the imagination of the public again. But the good news is, we can always look forward to another fight of two old guys, this time Holyfield and Tyson. Evander says it looks like it's going to happen. I wonder if he's inclined to wear earmuffs this time. A power struggle in esports. Nintendo has angered the gaming community with their last minute cancellation of the Splatoon 2 livestream. Many think they did this in retaliation against the support contestants were showing for the big house, who was sent a cease and desist letter from Nintendo in regards to its online Smash Brothers tournament. Nintendo's supposed gripe with the Smash Brothers event is that it was going to use the mod Slippy. Nintendo said in a statement that it could not allow the tournament to take place because it required the use of illegally copied versions of the game. In a show of unity, a well-known Twitch streamer announced he would host a $10,000 Smash Brothers tournament of his own using Slippy. The prize money will go to charity, with the winner choosing which charity to give it to. And, in even more solidarity, due to Nintendo's cancellation of the Splatoon live streaming, the community decided to hold its own tournament. The top teams withdrew from the Nintendo event and instead participated in the Splat House, a tournament completely funded by the gaming community. With $25,000 in prize money, many wonder why they don't just forego Nintendo events from now on. Nintendo apparently doesn't pay out any cash prizes, Instead, choosing trophies. The Obscure Sports Report. What? That's a sport? Uh-uh! No way! Did you know that there is a National League of Major League Quidditch? As in the game Quidditch from the Harry Potter books. Of course the real-life game can't be played on flying brooms or with magical balls, seeing how they don't exist. But that doesn't stop the players of MLQ, or Major League Quidditch. There is also an International Quidditch Association which serves as the governing body for all Quidditch played around the world. The sport, as modified for muggles, was started in Vermont in 2005 but grew so fast the first World Cup was held two years later. UCLA even has a designated Quidditch pitch which was funded by Matthew Perry of Friends fame. Quidditch is now played in countries around the world. 
But how is it played? Well, much the same as the magical Harry Potter version. The players, seven to a team, all play with a broomstick between their legs, which serves as a handicap instead of a means to fly. There are three hoops at either end of the pitch, all at varying heights. The three bludgers are slightly deflated dodgeballs that the beaters use to throw at the other team's players. There is a quaffle, which is a slightly deflated volleyball that must be thrown through the hoops and is worth 10 points. The seekers are allowed into the game at 18 minutes in and must try to catch the snitch, which is a tennis ball inside a long pouch attached like a tail to the shorts of the snitch runner. The snitch is worth 30 points and usually catching it wins the game for the team. As is the case with so many things, COVID interrupted the entire world of Quidditch with tournaments being canceled all over and the World Cup being rescheduled for 2022 at the earliest. This brings me back to the snitch runner. With the pouch attached to the runner's shorts and the seekers trying to take possession of the snitch, it seems this could lead to some embarrassing moments on the pitch. Maybe bike shorts underneath would be a good idea? Okay, my fellow ravers, that's a raver wrap for today. Thanks for listening in. And remember, a diamond is merely a lump of coal that did well under pressure. Thanks for listening to my raves. Become a sports raver too by following me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and checking out all my podcast raves. Till next time, I'm Geraldine B, the sports raver.